38-year-old Sandra Sally Cervone went missing from a small town in upstate New York on May 24, 1994. She grew up in an even smaller town, one that is quite familiar to me as it's the same town that I grew up in. The high school she attended was super small, and I'm talking my graduating class had 67 students in it. We square danced in the gym every Christmas, and the whole town revolved around Friday night football games in the fall or baseball during the springtime. It was a close-knit community, and most of the families that were there when I attended that school 30 years later were still in that town. Growing up in Oakville, New York is a quiet existence, surrounded mostly by farmland, crops, livestock, and not much really happens there. Not many families really leave the area. It's about half an hour away from two larger cities, smack dab, in the middle of Buffalo and Rochester, New York. I grew up there in the 90s and the early 2000s, and I can guarantee you that not much has changed there from then until now, and Sandy likely had much of the same quiet existence. Like many others, she grew up, got married, and dreamed of having a family. She moved out to Macedon, New York with her then-husband, Ralph Sally. Her dreams of having a family didn't come so easily to her, though, as when she was in her early 30s, She and Ralph divorced. Ralph evidently remarried fairly quickly to Sandra's hairdresser, while Sandra remained single. Sandra was seven months pregnant in May of 1994 and was preparing for her baby boy, Brandon Michael's baby shower. That would be in early June. Her sister Donna was throwing it. She was last seen in Ames Plaza. Ames was a department store. I think like um, Sears. I know those are still around in some areas, I think. Anyway, you know, clothing, tools, that kind of thing. She was last seen in Ames Plaza on Route 31 in the town of Macedon, New York. And she was on disability from her job at the Eastman Kodak Company after sustaining a head injury on the job and suffering excruciating headaches ever since. The news of her pregnancy had flipped her mood around, though. And in fact, she was out shopping for, for things for the baby that day. And, you know, at 38 years old, number one, It's difficult. It can be difficult to get pregnant. And then it can be a difficult pregnancy anyway, especially for a first pregnancy. So she, you can imagine having always wanted a family. This is like her second chance. This is when things are going to happen, even though her divorce and all of that. So days later though, calls go unanswered and her June rent goes unpaid. So Her landlord called the police for a well check, insisting something must be terribly wrong because Sandra was never, ever, ever late on rent. And Sandra had become friends with the lower level tenant of the duplex. And when the landlord became concerned, the the, uh, tenant took it upon herself to call her family and her ex-husband, Ralph. Now, I want to speak to this because there is no circumstance that anyone would ever call my ex-husband to check on me. That just doesn't make sense. So to me, If this woman is calling Sandra's ex-husband, then it's clear that there was some level of a relationship that was known publicly, whether that was friendship or whatever it was, people knew that they were still talking to each other years later, and he's remarried to her hairdresser. Her family and Ralph ended up going through her home looking for any idea of where she could be or who she could be with. And in doing this, They really, I mean, I know they were doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, but they messed up there. They didn't have the wherewithal to preserve the evidence that could have been, or maybe wasn't even there in that duplex. But the two most notable details that were apparent to them were that her beloved poodle, Jesse, was missing as well, and her car was parked in the driveway. Her purse was gone, but it would appear that 
most would believe that she must have left with someone that she not only knew, but that Jesse was okay with because it was said that Jesse was a very selective dog and wasn't very comfortable being around most people, which he was very comfortable being around her ex-husband. Days turned into weeks and her much anticipated baby shower came and went and weeks turned into months and her due date passed. Not only is this family grieving the potential loss of their daughter, but also of their unborn grandchild, unborn nephew. About a month after she was reported missing, her purse and Jesse's leash and collar were found in a dumpster near car wash in Penfield, New York. Now, Penfield is roughly eight miles west of Macedon, where she had last been seen and where she lived. Her credit cards were used in an amount of about $1,000, and when police traced their use back to four individuals, It actually was a dead lead very quickly. It was concluded that these cards were found by a young boy and they were given to his parent and that parent took it upon themselves to give them to a friend. I don't know if this was just to use them and it wasn't like a good thing that they were doing, but they were taken and they were actually used um, by these people. So the cards were found in the city of Rochester, a bit further west than Penfield. And the theory is that those responsible either drove to the car wash to ditch the items or that they went there to wash away any evidence and conveniently ditch the items while they were there as well. I do see two people at the car wash. I feel that it's a man and a woman. Throwing it back now, what I see when I hear car wash is the kind with like the large hoses hanging from the ceiling and a spot on the wall to pay and activate the hose and then the soap that you manually wash your car in a large garage type thing. So It's not like today with those automatic car washes, right? With all the pretty colorful bubbles and like you're in there for 10 minutes and you come out and you've done no work. You've sat on your phone, Instagramming, whatever, and your car's clean. This is when you used to have to spray it down yourself. It just wasn't in your own yard. So I'm seeing a man meticulously spraying down and detailing the outside of the car, like really putting some focus on the tires, which didn't make sense to me quite at first. But as I felt farther into the case and as I researched more, it made total sense because it really felt to me that he was getting dirt and mud off of the tires more so than he would have been if it were just driving around town kind of thing. And as the male is cleaning the vehicle, the female takes the purse off to what I think is on the right of the property and ditches the purse and the leash and the collar and the trash. Being that it was a month later when the items were found, no evidence could be collected from the scene. I mean, think about it. They're at a car wash. Even if there's only one stall at this car wash, you've been running soap and water for over a month there with multiple vehicles in and out. Any evidence that could have been left there was completely tainted. So now we've lost evidence in Sandra's home, as well as where the purse, leash, and collar were found. Why were the credit cards so far away? Most of you have probably already put two or two together and figured that out, but they were dropped in the city knowing that someone would find them and use them, which could throw police off their trail. I do not believe that anything of Sandra's ever touched Ralph's property, like his home. I think his physical property, like his car, maybe it did. But I don't think that the detective who was on this case pro bono, Detective Ingram, believes that Sandra was ever actually on his property either. Detective Richard Ingram actually took notice of the case and was dissatisfied with how little attention her case was getting while they were looking for another little girl who went missing in the Rochester area. And Sandra's case wasn't getting any attention from the media really at all. 
So Detective Ingram took it upon himself to work the case pro bono and has been working on it for over two decades, uh, close to 30 years now, honestly. So he didn't think that Sandra ever really made it back to Ralph's property either. But as time goes by, it surfaces that Ralph and Sandra were actually having an affair and that she had told a select few people, her sister included, that he was in fact the father of unborn Brandon Michael. So his ex-wife is his mistress, which I believe his current wife was at one time his mistress while he was married to Sandra. And he also fathered his ex-wife slash mistress's baby. I mean, that's a mouthful, right? So Ralph was paying for Sandra's car, even though they were divorced, and they had allegedly been arguing about money for the baby as well as the car. Some sources say that he was never actually a suspect, but he for sure was at least a person of interest. As Richard Ingram also said during an interview, he was certainly on a short list of suspects. My opinion, I think that he and his wife would have been the only two on the list. However, I'm not so sure that she was actually involved with Sandra's disappearance as she was with the cleanup after. So we're going to pause here for just a moment to discuss something that's also super important to me. If we set aside true crime, one of my other great passions is helping people to discover their self-worth. I recently took a poll on Instagram that showed an overwhelming number of people do not feel proud of themselves, nor do they feel that they deserve love and do not feel fulfilled in their life where they are. And this is so difficult for me to accept because I was there once too. And starting August 4th, I will be hosting an intimate group of eight women max, where we will be focusing on learning to be proud of ourselves, learning to love ourselves, as well as learning to accept the love that we deserve from others, learning to feel confident and fulfilled in the skin that we are in exactly where we are in our lives. Through these eight weeks, we will also have two one-on-one hour long Zoom sessions so DM me on either Instagram Murder and Mediumship or at Catherine and Intuitive and ask some questions. We can definitely talk about what this looks like for you or claim your spot today because spaces are definitely limited to keep it feeling safe and intimate. So back to what you came here for. On Monday, October 24th, 2016, 22 years later, because not really anything came up in this time. The case went so cold, so fast, it it basically started cold and it didn't warm up at all. So 22 years later, New York State Police searched Ralph Sally's former residence, which included a pond that was searched extensively. According to 13 Wham News in Rochester, New York, Detective Richard Ingram was quoted as saying he doubted, as I said, that they would find anything there, but you never know. Back when Sandra had gone missing, Ralph, her ex-husband, acquired legal counsel very quickly. And although if I had nothing to do with it, I would probably still get counsel pretty quickly considering how much he had been up to sleeping with God knows how many women, at least the two and running around like it just so inappropriately. So he refused to take a lie detector test on advice of his legal counsel or to let anyone search his land. And since they didn't have enough evidence to obtain a warrant to search his property, They were unable to do so. So in 2016, Ralph moved to St. Augustine, Florida. And when he moved there, the new residents allowed police to search it. And they did multiple times, hoping to turn up new leads and find new evidence, but they still haven't. I mean, almost 30 years have gone by at this point. I find it hard to believe that they could find anything, not impossible, but hard to believe that they could find anything at that point. So that's it. That is truly it. Sandra went missing now 27 years ago, and both her father and mother have passed since then. 
My own mother used to run into Sandra's dad in Oakfield, Dom. She actually just told me today that they called him Doc. And he would still bring up Sandra and tell her story. And one can only imagine what a family goes through and not knowing where a loved one is or what happened to them. Doc passed away at 89 years old, I believe about two years ago, and his wife passed away in 2008. And he would frequently tell my mom how sad it was that his wife never knew what happened to their daughter, and neither did he. Her sister Donna and brother, who I have not seen mentioned in any articles, so we'll keep his name private, are both still living in the western New York area. I actually went to school with her niece and nephew. I had the pleasure of having a private reading for someone in her family a little over a year ago, and after starting this podcast, asked if it would be okay to share Sandra's story. As I speak these words, I had chills go up and down my spine, which is a sign that spirit is with me, that I am connected to the source that I am looking to connect with. So what happened to Sandra and Brandon? Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe that her ex-husband was responsible for her death and disappearance. When I connect with you for a private reading, if I say the same thing twice on two separate occasions, then spirit really wants you to know and understand that message. More often than not, I will see or hear the importance of that message and how it was either how it's either gone unheard or it hasn't been acted on. And I'll hear that I've told you this before so that I can convey to you the importance of the message. And with the case of Sandra Cervone, I saw many of the same things in my second connection with her as I did the first time I connected to her with her family member and her story in that private reading. And for the record, the intention of that private reading was not to connect with Sandra. She actually came forward during the reading. I initially saw her somewhere she shouldn't have been with someone she shouldn't have been with. And at the time, I didn't know that she was pregnant with her ex-husband's baby as his mistress. However, Ralph gives me the feeling that he could manipulate her into just about anything, and he had a hold on her. And while their relationship was rocky, I believe it was his promiscuous nature that forged their divorce and his persuasive nature that allowed their reunion as secret lovers. It is my belief that Ralph and his wife at the time were interested in eliminating some chaos from their lives. I do believe that his second wife was very aware of what had happened, though I do not believe that she was present at the time of Sandra's death. I think that Ralph was alone, and after letting his wife know that he, quote, took care of it, they then disposed of the purse, credit cards, and cleaned the car. So by the time it came to his ex-wife, the knowledge that it had been, quote, taken care of, I do believe that her body had already been disposed of, for lack of a better way to say it. Sandra was taken, in my opinion, I was first seeing out to the woods, which felt so cliche to even say out loud, but it felt like it was in absolutely the middle of nowhere where you would come off of a main road, like a main intersection out in upstate New York, and you're going to go almost onto like a dirt road. And you're going to take that dirt road way far back into what would be like a hunting area. And when I was sharing this, I often share show notes with my mother before I publish an episode. But when I was seeing this, she asked, well, how would no one have found her if she was buried out in the woods? Wouldn't they have seen disturbed land? And it it dawned on me, mom, this was like June. This was May, June. No one was hunting there. Deer season doesn't start until like November, I think, right? And, And there's nothing that's really being legally hunted during this time of the year. So you would have a lot less traffic back there, I bet. Especially if it's someone's private property or even if it's land that's like leased to hunt on, you're not going to see people out there unless it's hunting season. So 
I do believe she is out on someone's hunting property and it gets, it gets more specific. I promise you that. I do not think that she will ever be found. And Detective Ingram has continued to pass out flyers and stay in touch with the family. I believe last year was the first year that he didn't do it. And he has been on the case pro bono, like I said, for over two decades, trying to get any media attention that he can to this very, very cold, cold case. He's retired. He's 85 years old. And the last report that I could find of Richard's work was with the Cervone family. With the Cervone family was from January of 2020, citing that at 84, he was still hoping to find answers for the family. Well, Ralph Solly Jr. passed away recently. It was actually on June 4th, 2021. With him, it seems that we have lost many answers to questions still lingering for many. And I saw Sandra, like I said, being taken far out into the woods in the middle of nowhere, New York. Well, most people here in New York, they think of the city. But where I grew up, it was, like I said, all fields, cows, sheep, and woods. There's plenty to hike and do in the outdoors and more rolling farmland and wooded areas than you could imagine. An avid hunter and conservationist as Ralph was, he had even opened his own hunting retreat in Alfred, New York. And she's buried out in the woods in an area, I believe, out in Alfred or very nearby that he later owned as part of his hunting camp property. And he was able to make her disappear without a trace as hunting was second nature to him. And for those of you who aren't familiar with hunting, I know when you grow up in a small town, you tend to, during deer hunting season, see deer just strung up in people's yards, hanging from their garage, doing whatever it is that they do to let everything come out of it. And Etc. Etc. I don't want to go into too much detail. I did not grow up in a hunting family, um, thankfully, because I don't think I could stomach it. But I do know that the cleanup, I mean, they were pretty efficient. If you were an avid hunter, you were also good at cleaning up what you did. And I think that it's safe to say that he knew how to be cautious and that he was fully planning on getting rid of her when he took her with him. And I think he did it immediately, and that was that. So Sandra would be 65 today, and her son, Brandon Michael, would be about 26, 27. So much was taken, not only from her and her unborn child, but from her family as well. If you know anything about the disappearance of Sandra Sally Cervone, then please call the New York State Police at 585-279-8891. And if nothing else, share this episode Check out the Trace Evidence podcast who also covers this. Read any interviews that you can get your hands on and share her story because it's just so unnerving and so sad to think about this person who is out there with her unborn baby and her family never got to say goodbye. So bring her sister and brother some justice. Bring the rest of her family some justice and do what you can to keep her story alive. And with that, my friends, I will catch you next week on Murdering Mediumship. Okay, so how the House of National Prayer will need to respond.